Welcome to Mind Love Premium, episode 83. Today's episode is all about matrix programming and the game of life. When I'm able to step out, it's easier for me to look at things differently because I'm not entrenched in how bad things are or what I want different from life. I'm able to completely become aware of, well, if it's a game, then how can I play this game more efficiently? If we exit the matrix, what we're doing is that we're taking a look at the way things are in terms of the way people believe things are, and we're asking, is that necessarily true? Is that something that will help me and help others, really? And as consciousness evolves and as humanity evolves, a lot of the times we realize that things that may have helped us in the past may not help us as much now. It's a new day, a new episode, and a new opportunity to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening for the first time, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you always know about new episodes. Plus, it makes you one of my favorite people. Because the more subscribers I have, the more I attract amazing guests to help better serve you. So don't forget to subscribe. What if life is just a game? Clearly a really intense game, if so. Back in 1925, Florence Scovel Shin wrote a book called The Game of Life and How to Play It. The premise is that life isn't supposed to be a battle. It's more a game of giving and receiving. Whatever we send out into the world will eventually be returned to us. Then we have Elon over there telling us that life is most likely a simulation because if you assume any rate of improvement at all, Games will eventually be indistinguishable from reality. And then we have the CIA docs that were released that seem to confirm the holographic universe theory. It kind of makes you wonder, right? Back in high school, I took philosophy. Life-changing course for a high schooler, raised in an absolutist religion, by the way. We watched The Matrix in class and were assigned to write a report on its relationship to Plato's Allegory of the Cave. If you're not familiar with this, I'm going to give you a little synopsis because it's one of the most well-known philosophical concepts in history, so you should know it. The allegory states that there are prisoners chained together in a cave. Behind the prisoners is a fire, and between the fire and the prisoners are people carrying puppets and other objects. Well, this casts a shadow on the other side of the wall. The prisoners watch these shadows, believing them to be real, without seeing the people holding the puppets behind them. I have an image on the show notes page to give you a visual, so go to mindlove.com x83 to see it. Well, Plato's allegory suggests that what we see and experience might just be a shadow of the deeper truth. The Matrix was based off of this. So was The Truman Show. Interesting, too, because the holograph universe theory suggests that what we experience is just a reflection of something greater. So what is that something greater? Could it be the controllers of the game? And no, I'm not presuming that the controllers of the game are a bunch of tech nerds sitting around having a LAN party with their computers connected together. No, I'm wondering if the controllers of the game are possibly a part of ourselves that we've forgotten. Even Albert Einstein said, life is just a game. First, you have to learn the rules of the game and then play it better than anyone else. It sounds absurd to think of life as just a game when we're bogged down with all of our stresses and griefs and struggles. 
But what if that's the point? To see beyond the matrix that we're living in with our false perceptions about what's important and what's valuable. To be cracked open by our pain so that we can find the deeper meaning. Plato posits that one prisoner could become free. He finally sees the fire and realizes the shadows are fake. The prisoner could escape from the cave and discover that there's a whole new world outside that he was previously unaware of. So what if that's your role here? What if your natural inclination to seek and find podcasts like Mind Love because you're on the forefront of lifting the veil? Well, that's what we're contemplating today. Our guest is Nick Zay. You may recognize him from Instagram. I've followed him for a long time and he's awesome. He's an author, speaker, and explorer of the connection between science, spirituality, and self-realization. His goal is to be in service to others during the evolution of consciousness and to participate and help bring forth the awakening of humanity. So three key things we will learn are about societal matrix programs, the law of one and what it's based on, and how we can see a more complete version of reality. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings. And Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. And now let's welcome Nick Zay to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So I've been following you for quite a while. I'm going to be linking to your Instagram and TikTok and all that because I think I would love to push anybody there because it's just every single video you do, I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I needed to hear right now. <laughs> yeah, we're throwing around a lot of different ideas and and linking things together. That's really what I try to focus on is getting science, spirituality, self-realization and kind of get it connected so people can see that there's more to the story, really. Yeah, for sure. And and I just resonate with so many things. And especially now with just the craziness that we're going, uh, that's going on in the world, there's so many different angles of beliefs around what's actually happening. And I think so much of it comes back to, for me, 
I'll, I'll get stuck in the cycle of like, well, what's true? Is it this? Is it this? Like, what do I need to know? But every time that I feel myself feeling unstable, I remember that sometimes it doesn't always matter what exactly the thing is that is true. The thing that I need to come back to is kind of finding that power within myself. What are your beliefs around that? I like to say that I know nothing. I really don't know anything for sure. And I'm just out here exploring reality. Whatever is the most, whatever has the most evidence, I I like to say that that probably has some substance to it, but I'm not entrenched in things to where it is this way. It's just like, this is probably the way things are. And if somebody told me something different and it had convincing evidence, I'm not going to turn it down. Definitely. And I know a lot of your teachings come back to this idea of the matrix and, you know, exiting the matrix or which things are societal programming. And I remember at the beginning of my spiritual journey, I didn't fully understand what was was being referred to when people talked about the matrix. So when you're talking about it, what does it mean to you? This is a tough question. And it's a great question at the same time, because there's so many people who say so many different things about the matrix concept. Because you can look at it from so many different angles. For, for example, a really great book is The Divine Matrix by Greg Braden. And he I'm has reading a, that a right really now. Positive. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I mean, that's, a, that's such a fantastic book. And if you read that book, what he's getting at is that there's a divine matrix, a field that encompasses everything that is harmonious. And more when I'm talking about exiting the matrix in the terms that I do, I don't really talk about it as much now because I see that there's so much polarization with it that I'm just kind of like, eh, I'm just going to talk about more the all-encompassing thing. But when it comes to the matrix, I would say that it's societal thought forms that this is the way things are. And those can be somewhat helpful and somewhat hurtful. Because they guide us into staying alive a lot of the times, but there are parts of that societal thought form that are really limiting and really hurt people. And that could be materialistic definitions of what success are, or that could be just your parents even giving you low self-worth because that's how they were raised. And it's just this societal kind of program, you could say, of, I guess it would just be simple, simply put, lack And so if we exit the matrix, what we're doing is that we're taking a look at the way things are in terms of the way people believe things are, and we're asking, is that necessarily true? Is that something that will help me and help others, really? And as consciousness evolves and as humanity evolves, a lot of the times we realize that things that may have helped us in the past may not help us as much now. I go back and forth between wondering if this kind of the game of the universe is how the essence of existence or consciousness just is versus what if we're living in a simulation? (laughs) I remember when Elon Musk came in and he's like, you know, the chances are so much greater that we're living in a simulation than not. What do you think about that? Well, I have my own podcast named Universe the Game. So (laughs) I... I've studied a lot about the different types of ways of looking at life as a game. And uh, the simulation hypothesis is very interesting. And to me, when people say simulation, you have to really understand the definition of what simulation means. And it just, to me, what it means at least is that things are simulated as in, imagine there was military, the military was training for a war. 
they're going to simulate what a war was like, but can they actually get hurt in the simulation? Let's just say for this argument, no, you can't. So when you say that there's a simulation, to me what you're saying is that you're in a video game in which you can't actually get hurt, in, in which you exist. Rather, a more clear definition would be that you exist beyond the game, that you exist beyond the simulation, that there's more to you that exists in whatever we want to call it. You could call it time-space if you're taking Dewey Larson's physics. You could call it the soul world if you're talking about Dr. Michael Newton's work. Uh, there's there's de many different interpretations. You could you could even call it the Tao because that's what Taoism is about. It's about everything is the Tao. And, but when you try and name what the Tao is, that's not actually what the Tao is. That's like, I think, the first verse of uh, the Book of the Way, which is what they call it in Taoism. And a lot of people don't know that, but I actually have studied a lot of Eastern philosophy and uh, not necessarily just philosophy, but the way that they look at things because it is directly correlated with what a lot of people see as spirituality, that a lot of it has originated in Eastern traditions and it has been around for thousands of years. But a lot of times in Hinduism, they use terminology that comes in stories like the Bhagavad Gita is a story, but there's a lot of wisdom in the Bhagavad Gita, but it's hard for somebody who's in the Western area to go so far out as to study these topics. It takes a lot of a lot of uh, willpower, I guess you could say, or a lot of curiosity. That's really what it was for me. Because when I got into this journey, I'm like, is life a simulation? Is, is this all a game? And after my many years of study, I'm like, yes, it is to, to a certain respect. And you know, we could talk about different philosophies or teachings on how to complete the game because that's a, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. <laughs> Oh, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. But first, I'm curious, how did you get your introduction into any of these teachings? Were you raised with them? Did you find them later on in life? So my dad was Catholic. My mom was just kind of non-denominational. She just went to churches. They got divorced early on. And so I, my dad knew I was just not one that enjoyed going to church. I just didn't. But I do. I went there and I, I participated, but... You know, I had moments where I was really into it and then I really wasn't into it. And I guess there was a moment when I was in college. I went to college for kinesiology and very body-related things. And I was going to be in physical therapy. I did an internship. And, um, you know, throughout, if you've been in Christianity, there's times where the pastor might come up and say, like, <laughs> if you want to be saved, come up front. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I did I that like 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me, I, well, not 25, but I did it a couple times that were memorable. And then I remember the last time that I went up there and I, it was at a church I'd never been to. And I was just in college and um, nobody was with me that I knew. And I did it and then I went up front and then I was like, there doesn't, there doesn't seem like there's anything to this. Is there like any real substance to what's happening? I feel like it's just words. And, and um, you know, there was many teachings in there that I didn't necessarily agree with. And so that's what really started it for me was I, I went to church growing up. I went to Wednesday nights and Sunday nights growing up. And uh, there was just some things that I, I just didn't really, I wanted to see if that was the truth. It was, I questioned whether that was the whole picture. Could all the truth of man be in one book? And so that kind of started my journey into Eastern philosophy. Then I, um, I read a lot of Wayne Dyer's interpretations of, uh, he has a book called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, which is one of the most, the beginning books that I started with. 
where he breaks down the Tao and all the different teachings of it. I'm like, whoa, this is really interesting. But at the same time as that, I got into all the negativity of the world. I had somebody at, somebody at, uh, I was serving tables at Red Lobster at that point. And um, this was a long time ago. And somebody told me to look up some things that were happening in music videos. And it was just, you know, way back in the day. And it just blew my mind. I'm like, no, what is going on? So then I had the whole negative. I got into, is everything, is everything negative? And then I got led into the positive. Like there's more to the story. And now I'm at like this kind of bird's eye view instead of, I think that there's a lot of people that struggle because they might be in the, um, how bad the world is. But there, I just wanted to remind people, and that's really why I do what I do, is I figured out something that my friend told me today, actually, or he did a video on. He said, it's better to light a candle in the dark than to curse at it. And I thought that was really interesting. And so that's why the content that I make is just exploring reality because I'm like, I want to light that for others because there was others that brought me out of the darkness and I want to do the same for other people as well. always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Allo Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. 
Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to a i r d o c t o r p r o.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M I N D. I feel the same and I can get caught in all the rabbit holes. I have been in all the rabbit holes to where all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm seeing a whole different aspect of this Disney movie, <laughs> like whatever it, whatever it is. And, and then it's really easy to kind of see everything going wrong in the world, however deep you want to take that, whether you're just seeing government overreach or you're just or you're seeing another layer of that or like how one company owns everything, like whatever it is, whatever level that you're at, then what do you do from there other than kind of change your inner world? And one thing that I've noticed, even especially through the last two years is that I, what I'm focusing on expands. I mean, that's one of the basic laws. And so I will see more and more of all the negative stuff. And there's only so much that I can do with that knowledge versus, okay, well now it's time to kind of get out of that and know that it's there and just know that I have my inner work to do so that my reality is being processed differently. And I think that two people can be living through the exact same thing They can be twin sisters with the same parents and depending on how they're looking at their situation doesn't necessarily mean they don't go through hardships in their own ways, but the one who sits in the victim mentality versus the one who's like, well, I'm the only person that's going to be responsible for my life and whatever I'm creating is going to be contagious to the people that are around me. And to realize the power that you have in that can change your whole perception of that same reality. 100%. 100%. It's a mic drop moment. I mean, I don't even really know what to add to that. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So when you are sharing some of the things that you share online, what do you hope that people take away from it? What do you hope people realize so that they can kind of be that change? Yeah, that's that's been an evolving one for me because at the beginning, I thought to myself, well, what's going to be the value somebody's going to get out of some of these concepts that might seem either esoteric or very scientifically technical. At first it was, well, it doesn't matter because how is it going to apply to their daily life? But then I started to realize something that was really profound and it's really been the driving force behind what I do. And if I can just give one person a moment of transcendence to see that there's more going on here, sometimes it's not necessarily how to get out it's, that's not necessarily what they need. It's why. Why should I get out? Why shouldn't? And, and when I'm saying getting out, I mean, why should I transcend this? Why should I overcome this? Or why should I even try to? Why should I take the time and not stay in this place of suffering? And so I've come to realize recently that those moments of the big picture that, you know, when I, especially I was thinking about this when I did the time space stuff, because I did a lot of videos a little while ago about how the universe is basically two halves and that there's space time and there's time space. And um, how does that apply to real life? You know, because it's Dewey Larson's theories and the law of one confirmed his work, which is really interesting because you don't usually get something like a, 
like the law of one in itself is we can talk about law of one too, but for another book to confirm that's supposedly channeled to confirm somebody's physics model, that's how I even came across that. And uh, at first I was like, what does this even matter? But then it's almost like you link all of these different spiritual traditions together all, but many different things are saying the same thing in a different way. So when people watch my video, my hope is that they might come in having no knowledge, but that I talk in such simple terminology that you can get it. That's why I don't use a, a ton of big words because I don't want people to feel like they can't understand me. So when somebody comes in, no matter what level you're at, you're able to take something away from that video that you might not have known and maybe add it to, oh, well, that's interesting because maybe in the Bible it says this, but then in the in Hinduism, it might say this, in the law of one, it says this, and they're all kind of connected. They might be saying it in a different way. There might be distortion in each one, but what is the what is the underlying thing that's in there? And you know, each one is going to have its own distortion. That's just the nature of books that are thousands of years old. But that's kind of why I do what I do, to give people that moment of, this is worth doing. This is worth not distracting myself. Yeah, well, I look at, uh, especially when I started really following multiple channelers and seeing what was coming through. You're right. The, the resounding message is all so very similar. And sometimes there will be a little bit of tweaks or maybe a greater emphasis by depending who's what entity is supposedly coming through. And the way I look at that is like, if we are all kind of aspects of the same consciousness here to have different expressions, then why wouldn't a potential higher being be the same, you know, or are, are they supposed to be completely all knowing or are they coming through this person for some reason because of the perspective that will be filtered through, if that makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to kind of this idea that the life or existence is a game. Cause I know a lot of my listeners will understand what's meant by that and other people won't. And maybe we all have different interpretations of it, but what do you see it as? So I'm, I have an upcoming book that I'm going to explain this more in, and I've already written that, that part and it's all done. And, uh, the gist of it, and that's, it's not just in the book, but I talk about it all the time in many different places. And the gist of it is that whatever level you want to go to outside of this reality, like, a teachings such as Dolores Cannon or Dr. Michael Newton will say you're a soul that exists outside of this material existence. Then you'll have other teachings that say that there's an afterlife. The Bible does say there's an afterlife, but it doesn't talk about reincarnation. At least this iteration of the Bible doesn't talk about reincarnation. And so you look at other traditions and they're all talking about some sort of afterlife or in Taoism, it would be more there's the Tao that exists outside of this. So there's something, there's some sort of existence outside of this material realm that we're connected to. So when you say life is a game, I look at it like if I, imagine if you're listening that you're on a computer or that you're, you have an Xbox, literally just keep it simple. When you're using an Xbox, you have a controller in your hand and you're looking at a screen, right? And you know that you're not in the game because there's a part of your awareness that's aware that it's not in the game. But imagine that instead of playing the game with a controller in your hand, you're actually inside of the controller. And then I took your, the part of your awareness away that remembered that I'm in a game. That part is gone. So now, how are you able to discern that you're in a game and you're not? 
That's kind of what people say the veil is, the veil of forgetting. You'll hear that over and over in spirituality. And that's basically saying that you have to forget in order to play the game. That's like one of the premises. And you could say that for many reasons, and you can even go back to Alan Watts when he talks about how if you were to dream, what would be the most exciting dream? And it would be to forget that you're the dreamer. And so that's essentially, you can look at it as you're awakening within a dream. You're playing a game where you're realizing you're in a game. Many different interpretations, but they're saying the same thing, that you exist beyond this and that you're in a, you're in some sort of, you could say it from the Ram Dass perspective either, where it's a meat suit, you're in a meat suit. <laughs> or, you know, there's, it, that's the beauty of it, is you see so many people are saying the same thing, that, that it's like there's this immortal energy that exists beyond this and that it can't be created nor destroyed, but it can just be transferred. So from the Dr. Newton perspective, it would be as though your soul is inside the body and it's playing. And you know, from a holographic universe perspective, it would be that everyone is the same being just split up and fractalized into many beings that, and they're all non-local. It's all non-local. And um, that goes... That's from the book, if you want to understand the holographic principles and that, that's from the book, The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot, which I highly recommend. It's a very, very interesting book too. Yeah, I've been re-going down the rabbit hole of all of these things because I find that even when I do remember or I learn and I retain certain information and it kind of changes the way that I view the world, as time goes on, when normal life struggles come up, it's like I forget again and I have to completely remind myself. There's a few different times on ayahuasca that I remember there's this one time in particular that my husband and I were just like, okay, this is not what we should be doing with our money right now. Like, is this really a smart choice to make? We have so much work to do. And it was just, we were bogged down with just all of the little intricacies of life. And we're like, no, we wanted to do this because there was more, it was also a group of people that we had been wanting to connect with as well. And we, we ended up doing it. And the next morning we were just like, that was the best thing we could have ever done. <laughs> it could just like reset everything. And we went back to our, the same lives that we were in the day before. And suddenly it was like all of these things that had piled up were just a lot lighter. It, it felt weightless. And so I'm curious for you with how does this information about life potentially being a game or even a holographic universe, how does that change the way that you move through your life? Well, I see it as it's very clear that this thing is temporary, that uh, you're only going to be here for a certain time. Whether or not you think it's a game, it reminds me that what's going on here is it's something that you can work through and that is not necessarily always going to be there, which in a simpler way, you could literally just say that everything is change and that the problems or so-called problems that I have in my life are changeable. And it really depends on perception. I mean, that's something that Dr. David Hawkins, for those of those who have studied levels of consciousness, know that everything is perception. And you know, many people have said that throughout thousands of years. And so when I'm able to step out, it's easier for me to look at things differently because I'm not entrenched in how bad things are or what I want different from life. I'm able to completely become aware of, well, if it's a game, then how can I play this game more efficiently? It's not like I was playing it wrong. It's like, what's the efficient way to do this? That's why maybe some things you've done in your life, they weren't necessarily wrong. There's just actions and consequences. So those consequences of those things will be that maybe 
if you talk rude to someone, they're not going to like you as much. But it's changeable, and you're that's just an action. And then if I want to live life more efficiently, then I'm just going to okay, life's a game. There's a part of my this is an important part really that the controller itself has its own suggestions that it gives to me to do. And that if I understand life's a game, then the controller is suggesting things like Siri might suggest to go to certain do th- to do things or GPS, however you want to look at it. There's suggestions going on, but I am not those suggestions. Even when my own mind says that I am this, I am that, that it's just a controller talking. And that it's almost as though, like Dr. Bruce Lipton said, that there's a tape player and the tape player is always playing. That's the subconscious mind. And so there's a part of your mind that is just a storehouse of information. And in Hinduism, they call this storehouse consciousness. So there's a storehouse of information within the controller. The controller says things, but I can change what it says and I can become more aware. Like you were just talking about with ayahuasca, you became more aware that it was all kind of trivial, the way that you were handling things. And so what it really does is it allows me to understand that the controller has suggestions and I'm outside of those. And I even exist beyond those. And that would be even on an ultimate absolute level, that would be the I am awareness consciousness or pure consciousness. And so what I see it as is that it's just theatrics of the same one being. And it's, it's relatively true. And uh, I think it's important to realize on the spiritual journey that there are things that people will say that are relatively true, depending on where you're at in your spiritual journey. And to, from another perspective, there might be even more to it. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Yeah, I was actually just talking to somebody about that same thing this morning. And and so sometimes it's hard to be in a position of sharing information because there are infinite perspectives that may internalize it. And they all have, like, for an example, I send out a daily email and 
Usually when I say something around the idea that struggle is a choice or that there is no right or wrong, just there just is. And it's usually directly from some spiritual teaching, but I almost always get about a 10 to one, 10 people like, this is what I needed to hear. And then there's, but there's always one person that's like, you don't know that. Like, (laughs) you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, there's terrible things. And I'm like, yeah, I know there's terrible things. How can you say there's no bad or, or how can you be so privileged to say that there is no struggle? And I'm like, I mean, I've, I've lived through struggle before, (laughs) you know, like it's, it can be hard to wait through. How do you do that as a public figure? That's tough, man. (laughs) Some people just, some people are, are in it, you know, they're in it. And a lot of times when I just realized that at one point I was also in it, it's relatable to me for them to come at me that way because I was there at some point in my life and having been through that. But one thing that I always come back to is that when people say that things that that you were just saying, I see it as we never have enough information to say whether something is good or bad because we can't see everything that's ever happening. And so from one perspective, it might seem bad that this is the suffering has happened or that this person is suffering, but we don't literally know the amount of knowledge that you could have in a given situation is infinite. You could have the infinite amount of knowledge, but you don't, and none of us do. And I definitely don't, that's for sure. So then I can't come to the conclusion that it's bad or wrong because there might be something with years down the line that it's leading towards. And a great example of this is, Uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who got into his bike accident. To him, when he got into a bike accident, he could have seen it as it was wrong, it was terrible. But then look what he's doing now. He's helping millions. And so I'm I'm just like, well, hold on. I can't decide if this is good or bad. I'm just going to step out and I'm just going to surrender to how I can either look at this in a way that helps me or helps others to be in a more harmonious state. Because I feel like that's kind of the point of consciousness, and that that's a highly debated topic in itself. What like is what's the point of all this? I definitely relate. There was a part of my story in my early twenties. I ended up in a terrible relationship, and didn't realize I was with a sociopath until it was way too late, and I was already kind of stuck in his programming. And there were so many mind games. And long story short, I got out of that. By the time I finally got out of it, it was because I somehow landed in jail for his crime, ended up taking a felony for something that I did not do because our cases were combined. And if I went to trial to prove my innocence, which I could have, it would automatically mean that he got 10 years in jail. And at the time I was too, I don't even know the word. (laughs) This part of me wants to say too stupid, but I've got a- Innocent. Yes, it was too innocent to realize that that was the dumbest thing I could have done. But I will say, like, when I threw it at that moment, if you would have told me any spiritual teaching at all, I would have been like, screw off, like, leave me alone. You don't know my struggle. Like, I ruined my whole life, or my whole life is ruined because of this person, a lot of blame. And now, in hindsight, not only was that the struggle that I needed to become interested in even the things that led to so much transformation. But even on another level, I was too ashamed to write 
the whole crazy story on two lines of a job application. And so it's what got me interested in being an entrepreneur. I was like, this is my only route. And now one of the things I talk about a lot is using your limitations as guideposts towards your higher purpose. I could have sat there and been like, well, this was taken from me and this option was taken from me and now what? So I'm just going to sit here and do nothing and waste away. But instead I'm like, okay, all of these options are taken, which means there's only one path to go through. And I, and then I can go through it confidently and not doubt my decisions because it's the only path I feel like I have. And so to me, when I look at something like struggle as a perception, yeah, that whole thing was a struggle. It was really hard. And other people have gone through things that are even harder, but you can sit there and be like, the world is against me, but where does that leave you? Like, what does that leave you to move forward with at all versus, okay, I could be totally wrong about this. Maybe all my spiritual beliefs are bullshit, but if it feels empowering to me to look at something a different way, then all that's doing is giving me the strength to do something greater than I'm doing right now. Yep. There it is, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's powerful. That's it right there. Because it's one of the hardest things to do is to see everything as a catalyst, you could say. Because you can choose to say that things happen to you as much, there's nobody stopping you. Nobody's forcing you to see things in any way. Some people might be trying, but they can't actually do that. Nobody can truly control your perception. And so when you think about things like that, it's it's like, yeah, you could do it, but what's it going to help you? Well, it's not going to help you at all. And so at some point, it seems like most people get beat down enough to where they finally say, all right, let's do this. I'm ready to change. And so up until that point where you're like, okay, it's time, you're going to see it as this is bad, this is negative, why is this happening? I want these other things, but I'm not getting it. But there's, there's a lesson in that. But it's like a treasure chest that you don't have the key to until you take responsibility for your perception. You don't have to take responsibility necessarily for everything that ever happened because we don't know. But all you can do in that moment is take responsibility for how I'm perceiving reality right now. That's where you start. That's where I would say you'd start. And if you're able to say, well, you know what? I actually just want to be happy. I just want to make a decent amount of money. And if I see myself as a victim or that money's hard to make or that this is really difficult, life is difficult, it's hard, then maybe things will start to happen that way because I believe that. And then the question becomes, at what point does my perception create reality? At what point does my own beliefs create reality? And that's a topic that many people will spend their whole lives trying to decipher, what power, what amount of power do we have as individuals? And I would say that we can all create micro realities. And there's a macro reality in which we all exist in as well. And we have the power to control our micro. And then inherently, when all of us come together as humans, that's what the macro is. So by each of us deciding that we can control necessarily where we go to some respect. Now, there's going to be other implications in there. Like maybe some people will say that you have things that you chose in the soul world. There's soul contracts and some will say that there's karma as well. But you can still keep pushing through those things. It's still available to do. And then, we, you know, another thing that I talk about a lot is quantum mechanics and the nonlinear realm and how we can work nonlinearly by understanding that we are energy. In a sense, if you went back to the question that 
what does it help you to see life as a game? Well, if you understand that your energy and you exist beyond the game, then maybe there's a field of potentials in which you can access that field and, and that when you do access that field, maybe it has an effect. Let's just assume, or not, not assume, but let's, let's just con- kind of contemplate that it might. And this is the basis for what I think true law of attraction is. I think there's a lot of BS out there with law of attraction, but there's a lot of BS out there with everything, right? So that's a, a really interesting thing when you get into co- the quantum realm is that it says essentially what you said earlier, where you said your fo- what you focus on does tend to have an effect on what happens to you. And that's actually true in the quantum realm as well. It's interesting because, I yeah, I totally agree that there's a lot of bullshit about the law of attraction. And also, I think that sometimes it turns people away from big ideas because then there's all these people that are like, oh, the law of attraction is BS. And it's like, yeah, if you look at it just from like maybe the point of view of like the first few chapters of The Secret, yeah, it does kind of sound like <laughs> BS. You know, like I had a bunch of people when that book first came out and they're just like, I'm just going to do whatever. I'm going to float around and everything's just going to be fine. And I'm like, I feel like you got to put some effort to meet the universe with this, you know, like show the universe that you're ready for it. But it's, it is interesting too, where you talked about uh, working with things non-linearly. And I have spoken to people that have an idea of, you know, doing past life regressions and healing past lives, which can affect your present. There's also people that talk about visualization, which then can affect your future. But then there's people that I've interviewed that are like, I think Christian Bush talked about the science of serendipity. And he's not a woo-woo guy at all, but he was just showing basically the science of what happens when you hold an idea that everything's going to work out and how that just automatically makes you approach the world differently. And so, for example, somebody can feel like they're unworthy. They can feel like they you know, I'm going to apply for a job right now that I I don't meet one of the qualifications. So why am I even here? And they give a weak handshake and they talk meekly because they feel like they're going to be shut down anyways, versus the person who goes in. They're like, yeah, I don't meet these qualifications on paper, but I know I'm a badass. I know I can do better than anybody else at this job. And they go in there and they present themselves as such. And so then it opens the opportunity. Or you go into a coffee shop and you're like, I hate people, blah, blah, blah. And you're like closed off versus somebody who's like, opportunities are everywhere. And they walk in with a smile and they end up meeting the person that they marry or whatever. And and that's really the science behind the serendipities. But you can look at it in this very practical way. And you can also look at it in a way of like, you change your energy based on how you're viewing your reality. And that will attract or turn away your next step forward or like hold you back. Right. And it's all saying the same thing that we can affect what happens. And however far you want to go deep with that, it's up to you. If you want to say that nothing happens except, you know, we were just talking about with the uh, serendipity, that it works. It's still the same in its core, still the same concept, you know. But uh, when it comes to quantum, there was a experiment done a long time ago. For those that know science, it was called the double slit experiment. And uh, basically, some weird things happened in that experiment where we found out that when something is observed, it changes from a wave into a particle. That's just the, the simplest way to say it. When It didn't have to necessarily be, because there's people, I did a video on this and people got really salt with me because I didn't, didn't distinguish between um, what an observer actually is. And an observer can be a recorder. It doesn't have to be a human. 
So I just want to make that make that clear. I've seen a lot of people in this in this field take it to that next step, and I've seen people have incredible results. And uh, it really links back to what you were saying a second ago, because what people will do is that they'll go into meditation, and when they go into meditation, they'll let go of their identity. Essentially, they just let go of who they think they are. And when you're able to do that, then you're able to tap into much more clearly and to me easier than if you were in physical reality and you were just saying, well, I'm kind of nervous, like you said, about this interview and I don't have the qualifications. If you went into a meditation and you let go of your identity and you started to go into the space where you embody that person who got the job and you were to do, as other people might have said, visualization. But to me, visualization is just one very small part of it because there's many more senses than just visual. So what many different people, such as Dr. Joe Dispenza, come to the conclusion of is that by going into the the field where you don't have an identity, you enter the quantum field. And in the quantum field, there are all possibilities This is also called the Copenhagen interpretation in quantum mechanics. And so all the potential realities exist in that field. And all you have to do is start to use, as Neville Goddard would say, imagination is basically the key. You use your imagination to use your senses to tap into that identity or maybe that goal or that thing. And that when you do this, it's much easier in your daily life to tap into that when you're trying to create a different life. And it can be so simple as, you know, I want a different job or I want, I want to feel happiness. Well, if you get beyond who you think you are and you enter that field of energy that you are beyond all of the game, then it doesn't seem so difficult because you've practiced it. It's just like, it's just like shooting a basketball. You got to practice shooting a basketball to get good. If you, I mean, I was trash at basketball when I started. Now, I don't play sports now. But back in the day, back in high school, it's just like that with when it comes to changing your identity. And it can be very practical as people can do it without the meditation and without that thing. But when I say you work nonlinearly, a, a big part of what I would call accurate law of attraction is that when you change your identity or manifestation, whatever you want to call it, when you change your identity, it affects how things come to you. It affects what literally appears in your life and that you'll get opportunities and you'll, you'll have synchronicities, you'll have events happen because you're different, your energy is different. And that actually affects your entire micro. And then if enough of us are able to tap into that power to create, to be a co-creator or to just bring things into their life in a more harmonious way, then society will probably change as a whole because society is just what we believe it to be. But when enough of us change our belief of what it is, then it will change. One example that just came up is I'm reminded of this power so often. And it's usually it's like the universe has to meet me there. It's like, here, let me show you these things that you're starting to forget. And I was knee deep in, I'm creating a course on organic podcast growth because uh, I've spoken at conferences about it and people keep asking and I'm like, okay, I'm finally ready. And so I've been knee deep in, in specific information about how to get featured in podcast apps. And then after like three days of working on this, I all of a sudden get an email from Apple and they're requesting my artwork in PSD form, Photoshop form 
for a potential feature. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen yet. That'd be amazing. <laughs> but I'm, si- I'm <laughs> sitting there and like, that's all I was focused on. And I was kind of bogged down from life. And then, and then out of the blue, I did not reach out to Apple for anything about this. And I'm like, see, this is, this is just the universe mirroring what I need to remember. But it can be difficult, I know, for a lot of people. And one of the things that comes up when people question me is that uh, it's how sometimes the law of attraction can facilitate a sort of spiritual bypassing the right word. Basically that they, it blames people for feeling negative. Like they're the, it's their fault that bad things are happening to them. How do you respond to something like that? It takes a whole hero's journey to understand this because it does definitely look like that. When you come in after not having went through your own journey to understanding why things happen the way that they do and that it's not your fault. Uh, the way that I see this is though, you're talking about the subconscious mind a little bit earlier. And it's like, when you are a child, when you're young and your brainwave states are in lower states and that's likened to hypnosis. And so you're very suggestible to information. People could tell you anything and you'd believe it. You, you couldn't critically think as a child. Now, when you start to grow up, you get older, your brainwave states go higher, and then you're, you, abil- you develop the ability to critically think. And so a lot of the times what might happen is that we don't even know that those are in there and it wasn't our fault because we were a child and we had no idea what was going in there. So then we might even interpret reality a certain way because of what other people put on us. I know what you're saying when you're saying bypassing and there's, there's more to it when it comes to feelings as well and we'll get to that. But first off, I see it as though people just in consciousness, souls are in bodies and they just don't know what's going on. You know, we all come in the same way. We all don't know. And and a lot of us think we know. And like I said at the beginning, I don't know. But what I have kind of come to the conclusion of is that a lot of times our parents and our friends and our families will put in ideas in our head because they think that's what's best for us. But then later on in our life, we realize maybe that's not the best for us. And it's just kind of how life went. And it's not really bad. It's not good. It's just kind of the process of being human. And I see it it as a universal thing that we all go through this. We all have things that we struggled with from our childhood and even growing up and even now, maybe definitely for me. And so when it comes to things and manifesting and things coming into your life, it's almost as though I hope that the background information then helps people to see that we might be bringing things in without even realizing it. And that though that's just kind of the process of learning how to create is a lot of the times in life, the way that we figure out what we want to do is we figure out what we don't want to do. And if our life is in shambles, like mine was, for example, I um, coming out of college when I decided not to do physical therapy, I took out $15,000 in credit card debt and I did the classic law of attraction, very like the... Uh, what I would call the false law of attraction or the simple, which really doesn't work. I just thought things would happen, but I didn't put in the effort. And then I took all that money to make a business and then the business failed because I did. I was just like, let me just let all this, let me let it happen to me. I'm just going to chill and I'm not going to do anything. And then I lost all the money. (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, this isn't it. And so uh, that really led me to realize that it's not just all about sitting back, but there's also a level of, effort that comes with it. So if people feel like 
it's their fault for being in a, a lower vibration, I just want to remind people that that was a roundabout way to say that uh, feelings necessarily aren't bad and that you have feelings stored within the body from your childhood. And that can be in the subconscious mind or it can just be energy, energy blockages, however you want to look at it. And so when we want to let go of those, the letting go process a lot of the times comes with feeling the feelings, but then not identifying with the thoughts, that the thoughts are just what they are, but that from each feeling, there's an incredible amount of thoughts because there's a lot of words here. And so when we let go of the thoughts and we just address the feeling, a lot of the times we'll see that we don't want to bypass the feeling necessarily that we need to feel good all the time, but that maybe there's some things that are stored in there that we want to let go of. And the mechanism for us letting go of energy or letting go of these this depression or sadness is to literally just feel the emotion. And so when we feel that emotion, we let go of that pressure. And uh, the way that I talk about it is I don't think it's necessarily bad at all that we're feeling emotions. Now, the part that comes where we, we start to let go of our power is when we identify that the emotion is correct or we say that the emotion is for some reason right. When it just is what it is, it's just energy. And so if we don't, if we don't take that next step and identify that this is wrong, this shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be feeling this, and we just allow ourselves to, literally, I'll like what I'll do is I'll lay in bed. I'll just if I'm feeling something heavy, I'll lay lay in bed, put a blanket on, and I'll just I'll just relax and just feel the emotion. And if you commit to doing that, it will leave, and you won't have this constant coming up. But then there's then there's the next step, which is choosing. It's like then we have a blank slate. Then we got to choose what our next action is because. The subconscious will come up and then start to suggest different things to do from a mind perspective, not from an energy perspective. It's just because that's what we've done before. It doesn't care. Subconscious doesn't necessarily have an, a vendetta against us. It just, it's just doing its job. It's just reporting. So then we choose after that. And then that's how I found that change happens. It's, it's then when we change our identity of I'm the type of person who does this. For example, I'm the like I'm the type of person who might do these things. I'm an author. I'm a artist. I'm a uh, business. I, I run this business. I, I'm successful. Those things we can we can still be in the theater of reality and still identify as the type of person to do this and still know our immortal identity beyond all of it. And we can see it from that perspective. And then I'm not I'm not worried about when emotions come up. I feel the emotions and. Uh, I don't ever say that it's necessarily I shouldn't be feeling this. It's like, that's just, I'm surrendered to life being this at this moment. I'm, and if I'm feeling a lot of sadness, I'll feel it, then let it go. Then I'll continue on with choosing the life, choosing to do the things that I know will help me in whatever my goal is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's where the law of attraction strayed me wrong at first is I, I would judge my emotions or feel like I was being in a wrong way because I was feeling certain things. And so that led to a lot of just that, that kind of fake overpowering with positivity, which never really works and just kind of made me bitter. <laughs> it was like, I'd have a bitter smile on my face. Like yep. I feel like shit, but I'm supposed to feel good. Right. Uh, and so now I do something very similar where I will just like kind of lay there and feel it. Uh, and I think the difference in what I do now is 
I try not to add more to the story. Like I could sit there and wallow in it and tell myself all the reasons why this is why I'm feeling this way. And it gets bigger and bigger in my mind and usually end up feeling worse versus kind of just tuning into the sensations that are happening in the body. And then it'll start to dissipate or, or release from my body at the same time. But I also know that if I go out into the world and take a lot of action when I'm in that state, I feel like I probably accrue negative karma because it's too easy to have like road rage or to hate the person in front of me at the post office, (laughs) whatever it is. And so that releasing process is really powerful. So thank you so much for everything that you've brought to this uh, podcast today. And for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and following your work, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah. So, well, thanks. uh, Thanks for having me. It was amazing. I really enjoyed it. And where you can find me is nick.zei on Instagram. Find me Nick Zai on YouTube and um, on TikTok as well. Uh, Nick Zai, it's the same across all platforms. And uh, I'll send you my my link tree or something. and People can just look at that if they want. But otherwise, I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok right now because I've been writing the book like mad. So I I don't have enough... (laughs) sauce in me to do YouTube videos and that. So that's taking a back seat. But yeah, you'll find most of my content. If you were to look like right now, it's on Instagram and uh, and TikTok for now. But, you know, things change. And I'm sure you know, as you continue on with your journey, you start to get into new things. And I know, you know, doing YouTube videos, I have like 100 plus videos on YouTube, but I just don't have that consistency because I'm sure you're busy and you know that there's a lot going on in life and sometimes things happen. So that's what it is. <laughs> All the links for this episode are at mindlove.com slash x83. Your challenge for this week is one of the greatest challenges you can do in your life. I highly suggest that you do this over and over again, periodically. It's to identify your own programming. And we all have it. The origins of this programming are to be debated. Sure, maybe it's some sinister agenda by the powers that be. Or maybe it's just how society naturally evolves. When there's capitalism, for example, which I'm not hating on, by the way. Capitalism can be amazing. The ability to start your own business based on your passion because you find a people who demand your skills is amazing to me. However, there are downsides, as there is with really anything. Like chocolate is delicious, but if you eat 100 of them, you're not going to feel good and you might gain weight. Or social media can be awesome for growing a business or for connecting with people, but there are a lot of downsides. It steals your attention and it can possibly rewire your brain. So like I said, everything in moderation, and when your life involves absolutely anything, it's important to recognize the downsides. Because guess who's not gonna do that for you? The person who is selling you the product or the service or whatever it is. And through all of these things, we become very deeply programmed. People wanna sell their amazing new anti-aging cream, And oftentimes that involves making you feel ugly and old, (laughs) unfortunately. Well, we become conditioned and programmed based on the desires, the values, the thoughts of everybody around us, friends, family, those who came before us, society, government, media. 
All of these sources have their own agendas, whether they realize it or not. And often, we begin to do something because it's common or it's normalized around us without necessarily questioning, does this serve me? And this has a huge influence on our beliefs about ourselves and the world around us. And those beliefs will influence every action that you do or do not take. So getting to the root of your own programming might be a lifelong project. But the good news is, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to start seeing progress. And it's a lot easier to maintain than it is to start from scratch. So if you haven't done this before, it might feel like a pretty big undertaking. But the good news is, you only need to do one belief at a time, one behavior at a time to start seeing the progress. And like I said before, you see progress pretty quickly and the work is worth it. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa or leave a comment right on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash x83. If you want to support Mindlove, the best way to do so is by joining Mindlove Premium at mindlove.com slash premium. You get a whole backlog of over 50 exclusive episodes just for premium members, along with Mindlove meditations and other bonuses. You can also support one of my amazing sponsors. I love them all dearly or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you do, I just might read your review on the show. And I have realized that Spotify hasn't always allowed reviews. This is a recent thing and I would love to get more of them. So if you've left a review before on Apple Podcasts and you just really love what we do here at Mind Love, I would so appreciate it if you copied and pasted it or wrote a new one on Spotify. You will be my very best friend. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time.